0: Blog Talk Radio. In a world where everyone is a social media guru, there is one lodestone, one brightest point in the sky, one true north. Uh, we have no idea where that is, but we've been here every Tuesday since August 2008, bringing you the absolute best and brightest guests from the world of social media and internet marketing. Welcome to Social Media Edge Radio. And now, it's time to get this show on the commode. Here's your host, Ken Cook, and co-host Mike Mueller. And another Tuesday underway. Good morning, Mike Mueller. Good morning. It is uh, it's so glad to have uh, this opportunity today to listen to chicken stories <laughs> from Mike Mueller. <laughs> How are my chickens today?
1: Uh, your chickens are doing great. They no, are no. very happy They're happy
0: little chicks One of these days I'll have one at my house <coughs>
1: uh,
0: That appears we may have to move to a different county to do that But uh, that's not out of the question So we don't just talk about chickens on social media, Edge Radio We also drink coffee, correct?
1: Um, Drinking tea,
0: green tea ah, Yeah, green tea and coffee <sighs> But we talk about things that are really important. I think today we've got a really great topic that should be valuable for literally anyone that does anything online. And Mike and I talked about it. We had a pretty uh, heavy, long drawn out planning session this morning. And Grueling. um, grueling, wore me out. And we both recognize that this is something that we talk with our clients. About quite often, and I realize that I'm pretty bad about it myself for my own stuff. Mike Mueller,
1: yeah. Well, I'm going no, no, to have to with you. Away. Yes, Yeah, well, I am. I was agreeing. Uh, <laughs> I was agreeing with us, and <laughs> I think we're constantly common. working on this.
0: Yes, constantly. And uh, what we're going to be talking about really, uh, it, it comes down to. Thinking like a customer, and it's something that we have to talk about quite often. Um, so we're going to get into that in a little while. If you're uh, if you're listening, get over into the chat room. If you're listening afterwards, if you're listening uh, to the uh, recorded version, which most of you are, either on uh, iTunes or at Blog Talk Radio itself, we invite you to join us live and get in the chat room because a lot of cool things happen in there. First, I'd like to say, as always, thanks to Kevin McLeod for Helping us out with the music here, and then Mike and I have introduced this year a new uh, segment where we present our some of our favorite tools to use in uh, during the show. And I'm going to start with mine. Uh, I think it's kind of relevant to the show today because it's something that I use when I'm using a website. If I'm developing a website, Mike and and I only have access to, say, a couple of Windows machines, Linux machines, some um, Android tablets and phones. I might need to see what that website looks like and how it performs on an iPad or on a a Mac or on some other device that I don't have. So my tool of the day helps people to do that. Now, there is a fee to use it, and I do have the full version, but it's called BrowserStack.com. And... Once you get there, you can see that uh, there are, I think there are maybe somewhere around 50 different devices uh, with different configurations of size and browsers on them. So, for example, you can go and you can choose a Mac with Safari, or you can choose a uh, a Samsung Galaxy Galaxy. Live with uh, Chrome and see how that device works. Now, what's unique about them is they're not just emulators. It's actually connected to a real device. So there's a, a rack full of devices there at Browser Stack. Oh, wow. And when you see it on the screen, you're actually using one of those devices. How about that?
1: That's very interesting. I like that a lot. Um, I wonder if they have, like, a crack screen option because I see a lot of like iPhones with cracked screens.
0: Yeah, I think the default mode for their iPhones is is shattered screen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's really cool that, that I mean, all right, so you you build your site and uh, or you throw a theme on your site or what have you? And of course it's going to be mobile responsive. That's the only way to go these days. And so you can go bring it over into browserstack.com and look at it on virtually every every instance that's out there. Every
0: Well, definitely probably not a Palm Pilot but pretty close. Yeah. Um I mean they you know, they may have had Palm Pilot at one time, but uh yeah, all the top current user stuff It might, if something new comes out, it might take them a month or so to get that set up and uh, ready to go. But, yeah, we use it. uh, Of course, on on bigger developments, we use the dev version, the staging version, and then the live version. And uh, we start checking it out even in the dev version. Uh, Just then uh, log in, check it out, and see what's happening. Browser stack.
1: That's fabulous.
0: I think it's $40 a month, so it's not free.
1: Well, sometimes the best tools aren't.
0: That's true. What have you brought for us for Show and Tell today?
1: Well, you know, uh, we talk a lot about building websites and things like that. And uh, I think it was about two weeks ago I brought up Font Awesome. And Font Awesome has, well, in my particular case, had nothing to do with fonts. It had to do with bringing on, you know, little calendar icons and other things like that, uh, little icons into your website and doing it in a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. And this morning I was kind of thinking, oh well, let's get back to the original thing: fonts. So, uh, if you throw a theme at your site, it's going to come preloaded basically with. Uh, they're going to uh, they're going to suggest. I'm going to say, a couple of different possible fonts for different things, different typography. So your headers might be one thing, and this might be another, and, and another. And the theme's great, but maybe you don't like the fonts, or maybe you want to change a little bit. Well, fonts.google.com. I always like to give the URL because we are a podcast. Um, But fonts.google.com will give you the ability to bring, uh, I don't know how many, I think they've got 800-some-odd fonts, something Mm -hmm. like that, uh, right now. And you can bring those into your website. Nice and simply, they do a great job, and it makes it very simple to change your fonts.
0: It does, and uh, I use this quite often obviously if you if you view source on a lot of sites you'll see that it's actually um, pulling in a font from Google fonts. Um, any words of caution about using Google fonts that pop to mind
1: ooh well um. Not offhand, I'm going to say you probably have something in mind. That's why you asked me.
0: I did. I was I was thinking about the uh, ubiquitous use of Comic Sans.
1: I, you know, what there are plugins that you can just replace all your fonts with Comic Sans, <laughs> which you know that's the first plugin <laughs> I put in.
0: <laughs> uh, just I was thinking security
1: because... or something like that. <laughs>
0: I don't think we can ever talk about fonts without talking about Comic Sans. Mike has an affinity for Comic Sans. Uh, In fact, I think it goes like this. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: Yeah, but seriously, just because there are 800 and something fonts there doesn't mean you need to use 36 of them on one website. Uh, So be cautious and then get into the things that we're going to be talking about a little bit later in the show today. About what your uh, what your users think about it. Great tool, Mike. Good stuff this morning. Um, oh, it's that time, I guess. Time for a little news. Uh, We're we'll start out with some of the biggest breaking news.
1: It seems that uh,
0: Apple's coming out with a new iPhone, Mike.
1: Well, I, you know, with all the cracked screens, you got to keep coming out with new iPhones, as far as that goes.
0: Yeah, well, I was reading some of the features of it, and uh, it dawned on me that they've actually recreated the uh, LG G3. (laughs) (laughs) Only the LG G3 had ports, So, and like Mike likes to say, all ports matter. But that being aside, they are coming out with a new phone. That's probably all we'll say about that. But this was an interesting one. just happened today. Uh, We talk about Instagram a bit. Mike has been doing Mm -hmm. some Instagram stories. Um, there is a new feature starting today that will allow users to save live broadcasts. How cool is that?
1: You know what i i'm I'm gonna say I like this initially when I saw the story, I thought, ah, come on, really why that doesn't make it a story that that takes away from that the whole <laughs> thing, but at the same time, what? when you start thinking about it, being able to save. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of your content and maybe repost it later or reuse it or whatever. I think it's a great thing.
0: Well, wasn't that the big kickback against uh, Snapchat when it first came out? One one of the things we were talking about, especially for marketing, was why am I going to take all this time to create this content that's just going to vanish? Mhm. Um, of course, there are or it for Snapchat, if you could download your uh, live stuff. But it appears to me that Instagram is going to allow you to save other people's live stuff. Uh, nope, I'm wrong. It's your live video. But that's okay, because exactly what you said, uh, allowing you to reuse that. You know, if you go out and, and you – let's say you're a comedian and you're doing a, a live stream of your comedy show, and, man, you're just really hitting it and you're really good uh, – it'd be nice to be able to save that, maybe edit out the part that, uh, that was getting a good response and put that on your,
1: on your website. Case in point. Um, the other day I'm mountain biking. I'm up in the middle of nowhere. I come across a Bobcat. You actually saw the video. You made a comment. On I did. It. I pull out my phone and I never see Bobcats. If I do, I, I see the tail end of a Bobcat going Ving, flying across, uh, pulled out my phone because this guy's just sitting there and just interested in me and just watching me. And so I pulled out my phone. Had I gone Snapchat, had I gone Instagram stories or Facebook mm-hmm. stories coming out, um, mm-hmm. that video in, in the olden days, as of yesterday, would have been gone. Um, mm-hmm. I would have shot that video, sent it to all my followers, and it's gone. And I like this because, you know what, it saves it to your camera roll. You manually have to save it to your camera roll, but it saves it to your camera roll, and you can then turn around and put it up on Facebook, put it up in YouTube, do whatever.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's a great, and I do think we've kind of come full circle. I put that in the notes. Uh, you know, three or four years ago, we are talking about who wants a disappearing video. I mean, you take that time again. It's an investment of time. And maybe you pull off one of your best moments ever, and it's gone. So, yeah, I I like this idea. It's not something that you're forced to do. It's something that gives you the option to do it. Uh, And like you say, it doesn't happen automatically. You have to tell it to do it. And I'm going to assume that uh, Facebook is going to do the same thing, um, since their goal really right now is just to put Snapchat completely out of business, evidently. (laughs) Speaking Mm -hmm. of Snapchat, uh, you know, Mike, there are, over 2.8 billion active social media users now, and that means that somebody that logs in and checks their social media at least once a week. So that's 22% higher than it was this same month last year, 2.8 billion. Wow. That's that's like half the planet. Uh, 1.9 billion active users on Facebook. Now, I don't know exactly how many fake accounts on Facebook are active but uh, there certainly are plenty of those out there uh so let's right. just say that uh 500 million of them are you still got a 1.4 billion <laughs> active users on Facebook a billion on YouTube so between Facebook and YouTube you you can't miss And what do we talk about when we talk about marketing on the show? All the time, we talk about Facebook and YouTube. Guess who didn't even get a mention in the top ten? Snapchat? Google Plus.
1: (laughs) What's Google Plus?
0: (laughs) It's this thing that Google tried. It was about their fifth attempt at social media. And uh, a lot of people really liked it, put a lot of time into it. I still have one. I still push stuff over there, but... uh, you know, it's just kind of like. Hello, uh, no,
1: man. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. What? Six hundred million on Instagram. So you're still looking at a lot of people. And one one point that I found very interesting is three hundred and seventeen million million users on both Twitter and Pinterest. But Pinterest, and I'd never thought about this, Mike. It's the most evergreen content.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, that's uh, to me. That's one of the one of the the best things about. Pinterest is it gets saved to a board, and it really stays there for a very long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: People don't delete their boards
0: nope so it's, it's very cool, very cool um you brought some uh some should we play a sad song? We don't have any sad songs, but uh wah, wah, today. That could... yeah, that'll work. What is it? The people awake. oh. Uh...
1: I thought you were searching for the the sound, but uh, oh. game over. And game over for, you know, you had a different pronunciation, but uh, Demos is what I always called it. Mm-hmm. And you call it a Demos. Yes. I don't know why. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Demos.org um, officially closed down March 17th. Um, it just uh, they were having troubles and and all of that kind of stuff. And if you're not familiar, we talk a little bit about pre Google days and things like that. And uh, it was not a Google. It was uh, something completely different. It was a directory. It was it was people. Uh, it was kind of like Wikipedia in that people volunteered and put things into different folders, let's say. I think that's probably a good description.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty much it. In fact, I did that back around 2000, 2001, maybe 1999, maybe maybe in there, uh, volunteered to. And what happened was people would submit websites, and all you would do is go look at the website very quickly and uh, look at the categories that they had chosen for it and decide whether or not it went in that category or whether it went into the index at all. And honestly, a lot of times it just didn't go into the index at all.
1: Yeah. Um, but it's now, well, I'm going to say it's gone. If you go to uh you'll see they put up a screen. But they also put up a mirror. So uh, technically, I'm going to say it still exists. Everything on the Internet still exists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just not actively being added to, I guess.
0: Yeah, probably won't be updated anymore. Uh, yeah, kind of sad news for me because that's one of those things that's been around for almost 20 years. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to jump into this topic uh, thinking like a customer. So if you're listening live, get in the chat room. Feel free to call in. Uh, we're going to be playing rapid fire a little later, and if you want to play along, just uh, give us a call.
1: Hey, this is Mike Mueller, and in case you didn't know, when I'm not co-hosting the show, I'm busy building websites for small businesses just like yours. But you know what? I do it a little differently than most web developers. First of all, I don't farm anything out. And secondly, I build what you want, not what I think you should have. And I don't just build a website, I don't just throw a template at it and call it a day. I ask you some very specific questions about your business and the goals of the website, and then... I build a unique system that fits your needs. And that's something no other web developer does. Check out arwoodconnected.com forward slash smedge for more details and a special bonus just for you, our listeners.
0: Frustrated with your website? Can't get it to look right or work right? Think it's too expensive to hire a real development company to quickly turn things around? Think again. For as little as $35, Ken Cook will investigate and often correct issues with your website. With over 20 years of web coding experience, he'll quickly identify your challenges and help keep the costs and time to a minimum. Many jobs can be completed the same day, regardless of where your site is hosted, what platform it's developed on, or what framework is used. Contact Ken today at thekencook.com. And instead of working for your website, make it work for you. This is the police. Come out with your hands above your head. We have the place surrounded. It. And it's a good thing too. Because uh I think this is probably one of the most useful topics we could ever discuss. And I don't know that we've ever discussed it exactly in this in this manner before, but Mike, you and I were talking uh in the planning session this morning and you said you actually just had this discussion a couple of days ago with a customer, and it's one of the things that I talk to, especially if I'm going to be doing any content marketing, but as well as web design. Who are your customers? Mm -hmm. What What do your customers think? What are they looking for? You know, it's easy to come up with this grand idea for a website. You know, you're going to have it do this. You're going to have a forum. You're going to have a blog. You're going to upload videos. You're going to charge people to get into the back end and get secret access, and all those things are great. But if your clients aren't interested in that, you're probably doing yourself a lot more harm than good. So um, let's think like customers. Now, you said you had this discussion the other day with a client. So kind of how did that discussion come up and how did it go?
1: Well, actually, I had a couple of different, you know, when I got to thinking about it, um, this comes up a whole lot. I've had a couple of different discussions. Um, One of these things, One of the discussions started around uh, he actually, this was a real estate agent, and his coach uh, encouraged him to follow up with, after the sale closes, follow up with them because they're the best referral sources, as far as that goes. And so they were that's that's exactly what he was doing. This is months after the sale closed, they somebody bought a house or sold a house or whatever and he's following up and doing all that kind of stuff. And he was a little discouraged because basically they said, Hey, look, uh we did our deal, we're done, we don't need your services anymore. You're great, but um we're done. See ya. Mm-hmm. And he was totally brokenhearted by this and um you know I, I he's never looked at it from the customer side that led us into we got into websites as well when it come to your website what am i looking at what as a customer what am i looking for as far as that goes and what am i looking at and that none of it was really readily available on his website either
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very common, actually. Uh, you know, what do you do? I've actually gotten to the point where I'm almost streamlining back to the good old days where you didn't build a huge, robust website up front because it just took so much effort. And you just got right straight down to the nitty-gritty right up front. Right What do you do? I build websites. Mm-hmm. I am, a, I suppose, a WordPress expert. I can, you know, code Plugins and themes and whatever else you uh, need. That's that's what I do. And if I'm not talking about that on my page, I probably <laughs> probably I'm probably not selling what i what I actually do. So how do we how do we think like a customer? I mean that's when I ask people to think like a customer, I generally know they're just going to think what they think their customers are like. So I think there are some better exploratory questions. Most people know the age group of their customers. They know the general geographic area of their customers. Now I'm talking about local businesses. You know, even, even a real estate agent is like a brick and mortar business because they're they're dealing locally. You pretty much have a, a good idea of those things. So now we can go out and we can look at some demographic information of, of what motivates those type of people. No, each person is not just a number. They're an individual, and everybody's different. But we can get some ideas about, about, well, one of the biggest ones, Mike, is just looking at their their visitor data and Mm -hmm. seeing if they have had a, a large number of people using a particular device.
1: Absolutely. Well, that kind of ties right into your um, your tooltip, browser stack, because if you're using a particular device, and you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna just guess that it's probably mobile. Um, how does your site work, look, act on that mobile device? Absolutely. That's who you should and be designing bear- for if bear- that's where they're coming from
0: absolutely. And and I still go to a lot of sites on my mobile device and they are very far from, from mobile ready. So the bottom line mm-hmm. is you can you know, you can be number one on, Google. one on Google. You can you can buy your way there. You can buy Google clicks and you can get yourself to the top page, the top of Google front page. But if the customers are clicking on your link and they're going to your site like Mike said and they're not seeing what you do not only are you wasting your time and effort, but you're you're probably, well, probably doing more than just wasting that customer. You're probably leaving a really bad taste in their mouth, so they're never going to come back again. Never come back. Um, so I think that's the first place to look is what are your customers seeing when they see your forward-looking face? Of course, now we have so many different things. That includes their Facebook page, right, Mike?
1: Right, Mike. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've got all your social media profiles as well, not just your Facebook page, but yeah.
0: And then I think another thing, too, is not just customers' habits, um, but customers' motivators. What motivates your customers to do things, uh, to make decisions, to, to to pick up the phone? I, I, we just happened to fall into a really good niche uh, when I was – in the the mortgage business and real estate business, and we started marketing only to real estate investors. Well, I know exactly what motivates real estate investors. Money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's right straight what we went for. But if you're a, uh, and we'll talk about real estate agents since that's what a lot of our listeners are. If you are a real estate agent and you're in a particular area that has maybe 10 or 12, large communities that you sell from. sell from, what do you think you should be talking about? What motivates people to move to your community? Are they moving there for the schools? Are they moving there to be close to their church? Are they moving there to be close to the lake? The lake. Why, what, what are their motivators? How do you discover motivators, Mike? Well,
1: wow. That, so, if you've been in the business for a while, and uh, we're talking about real estate, and re- I've always said real estate sells lifestyle. And essentially what you just listed off were uh, a whole lot of lifestyle-type qualities. So it isn't about the three-bedroom, two-bathroom, where the kitchen is, and is there you know, a porch out back or what have you, as much as it's in the right place and it has the right Lifestyle for what they're looking for. If I'm going to say, if you if you've been in the business for a while and in a particular farm or area, uh, you've got a pretty good idea of your past clients and what what their motivational factors were. What what put them over the top. Uh, driving them around in a car, you're going to find out really quick. Because they're going to be asking you the same questions, and you're going to do, is this in this school district? You know, I want to be in the school district. And that's, I'm going to say, just your gut feeling is going to be, you know, a good place to start.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, and just within your service offerings, and I think be very quick to listen and to adjust based on that. And, and I put the words user experience in our notes today because that's really what we're talking about, is creating a great user experience. Uh, in, the, in the development world, the digital world, uh, too often we take cool. user experience just to mean well, what are they doing on our website. But for the small business person, it's everything. It's your telephone calls. It's your emails. It's when you're a a real estate agent and you have them in your car and you're driving them around, are you taking them to places that meet their uh, expectations? Are you taking them to the completely wrong things? And that's the same thing your emails can do. It's the same thing your phone calls can do. It's the same thing your social media can do. You can be giving them the wrong information. Now, Obviously, you can't please all the people all the time. But you really need to identify what is your target market and how do you give them that good experience. I mean, I don't know where does where does user right. experience stop, Mike? You said you gave the example of uh, somebody that months down the road is still having an experience with the with your uh, real estate contact there. That was still yeah. experience. How far does it go? How far
1: does it go? I you know I don't think it ever it ever stops i think because you know they're if as far as that goes it's, it starts before they get to your website or before they make that first contact with you and it ends never <laughs> you just you know as far as your follow up if you put them on a drip campaign or what have you that user experience is still continuing on
0: yeah uh, and even if you're, even if they're not on your drip campaign, they may still have your business card. They mm-hmm. probably still remember your name. So if anybody ever brings up, you know, have you ever heard of, you know, Jim Smith, the real estate agent? And you say, yeah, he helped helped us buy our house about 25 years ago. Is he still in the business? You're still having an experience with the guy 25 years later.
1: Uh, I want to talk a little
0: bit about how customer habits have changed. You know, when the Internet first came around, people that had it had a tendency to really dig into it and spend a lot of time on it. But I think, and we just talked about it a moment ago with all the content available to them today on Facebook, uh, uh, YouTube, and the proficiency of using Google, people just don't spend a lot of time anymore So what are some of the other ways, habits may have changed over the last few years that people may be stuck in?
1: Well, obviously, uh, people are much more mobile right now and Mm -hmm. they are looking for information that comes to them as opposed to information that they have to go and get. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest change. Uh, not, Not recently. I mean, it's been a little bit, but uh, that's the biggest change, is we all want information. Just come to me. Just, just. I don't want to search for it. I did one search, now come to me.
0: <laughs> well, and I mentioned the book, Who Moved My Cheese, because I think that's exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, by the way, if you've never read Who Moved My Cheese by Kenneth Blanchard, it's a very good read, very short, very easy to read. And you said customers have gone mobile. Uh, true, they've gone mobile, they've gotten busier, um, and now we're seeing people want to get back out again. They they were stuck inside for years, and now we're seeing people that are building these nature trails everywhere, so people are wanting to disconnect a little bit. So you brought up something. You mm-hmm. said once you've done a search, I, I've already searched. Now you need to tell me when you have some information for me. Information for me. So right. that only leaves a couple of ways, and that's either by you entering these people into a drip campaign or getting them into a push notification from a web app, correct?
1: Mm-hmm, right.
0: But how do you know when you need a web app or when a mobile website is good enough?
1: Ooh, well, yeah, for instance, like uh, most of the websites out there are not going to be able to push that information out without some sort of help. Uh, if it's a real estate site, it probably has like an IDX uh, of some sorts where you can search for properties and save that search and then be notified when new properties come up that match that search. In that way, um, you know what, a mobile website would kind of work as far as that goes. But, uh, you know, for other businesses and other things, um, and even, even in real estate, there's a lot of great apps out there um, and custom-designed apps that do a, just a phenomenal job of doing just that, sending you the information that you want on a regular basis. Boom, it's on your phone. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I do think that apps have their place. I always urge caution of going to an app because, you know, after you get three or 400 apps on your phone, you're not likely to download, download them anymore. And people are much more cautious these days because of the security issues based around an app that don't exist on a web page. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's something that you need to talk to your developers about, really, if you get to that point. Um, but yes, Mike's right. People, uh, they're not likely to come back to you unless you're reminding them that you exist. And email is—it's really in the eyes of the beholder. Does your client want this email? Uh, I got an email the other day from someone that. Did some work for us about for us about three years ago. I'm like, I don't need this, so I just unsubscribed. Um, um, but if I'd have had an app, I would have probably deleted it years ago. Years. <laughs> so I think that's something you need mm-hmm. to discuss with your with your developers. <laughs> um, mobile websites certainly do a lot for for user experience. User experience. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul in here today. All in here today. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, how about if, you're, if you you're wanting to do uh, I probably do. If you're wanting to do a user test, let's talk a little bit about setting up a small user test for yourself. Um, yeah. And let's talk about it from the example of, of being a real estate agent, and, and we've already said that it begins all the way from before they contact you until way after they contact you. So if you set up a user testing for that, that'd be pretty involved. So what we want to do is we want to test it just kind of along the way. For example, uh, when someone calls you and talks to you on the phone for the first time, first time okay. mm-hmm. how well are you doing? Well, you can hire companies to do that for you, Mike. Did you know that? You can hire somebody to completely user test your business from one end to the other.
1: You know, I've, I've heard of a couple of these. I've never used one myself.
0: Well, they tend to be fairly expensive fairly. to do complete user testing. Uh, usertesting.com. Is more for testing your website, your apps, and things like that. And what they'll do is they'll get a stranger, someone that works for them, to go to your website, make a video, and and do a voiceover while they're doing your website with a screen screen video. And what Uh you do is you give them a challenge. You say, uh, go to my website and find where to order uh, new replacement filters for your air filter that we put in your home two years ago. So they'll go and they'll do that, and they'll report on how to find it. But I think it's even more important to listen to your friends. Uh, you know, coaching, there are so many coaches available out there today. It's the, I don't know if we just know about them more because of the Internet, but it seems like it used to be really rare to find a a business coach or a life coach. It's just not hard to find one. Right. and. Uh, And have them give an evaluation, uh, which is just an opinion. Sometimes it's a very good opinion, and sometimes they don't even know what they're talking about, but it's still an opinion. Uh, So get to that. But when we get to the point where you and I deal with, um, which is primarily your online presence, let's let's talk about just a few of the things that we would want to look for. And And I'll start by saying that's, you know, if I'm looking at your website on a mobile device, what am I seeing? I um, can I use it? Do I have to zoom in and scroll? And
1: scroll.
0: So it's very important at that point. Um, why don't you do a couple, Mike, and, and and I'll see what else I can come up with.
1: Well, uh, typically, uh, you know, I look at a website and I want to know, you know, when I'm building a website, I want to I ask them, you know, who, what, when, where, why, and how as far as that goes in why you want to build this website and who you're going after and all of that. And all of that goes into play. Well, when I get to the home page, for instance, and I redesigned my homepage uh, recently because I'm taking some of my, my own medicine. I want to know, you know, if here's what you do, if here, you know, whatever that is, if you're selling widgets or homes or what have you, whatever it is, is it blatantly obvious right there on the homepage, mobile or desktop? And like we talked about, should be mobile. Um, that's got to be an important thing. Is there big calls to action? Is there something right there that says, here's what I do or how I do it or, or what have you, that answers that question? Uh, those could be buttons. Those could be a video. Those could be a lot of different things. But there should be something blatantly obvious right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh,
0: one thing that you bring up there, too, is I think also uh, where real user testing comes in is, uh, and I use the example in the in the show teaser of a customer who says, I want a big, giant red button that says, buy now, and I want me walking out from the side and pointing at that button. Well, that sounds great inside mm-hmm. of your head. But what do real users think about that? And and too many times I get customers that come to me with really wild ideas like that. I'll try to have a conversation with them about it, but the bottom line is it's their website if that's what they want. But I don't necessarily always think that that's the the right thing to do. Um, What about load speed of your website? That's something very important, especially on mobile devices. If I'm waiting more than about 10 seconds, I'm either thinking I've got a bad connection, there's something wrong with your uh, website, or I just need to move on to something else.
1: Yeah, people aren't patient. They're going to they're going to move on if it's stuck loading, and not getting there. Uh, so load speed's got to be just as fast as you can possibly make it.
0: What about uh, email formatting? Do you recommend people use html or plain text or give the users the choice the
1: choice well you always want to give them the choice if at all possible um a lot of the and and typically so if you're sending out emails you're don't worry about it as far as it's probably going out html and they're going to get it html um but you never know as far as that goes so um most of the time I'm going to say in like newsletters and things like that they will always have a text only option and if you make mm-hmm. that available and people use it i mean you can track that stuff if people are using the text only that's a great thing to know
0: very important words mike you can track that stuff and you do need to track that stuff and what did our guest talk about last week about last week yep that's tracking right. everything <laughs> That's right. So, you know, Patrick Healy is still there. Uh, I think we're about out of time. We still want to get in uh, Rapid Fire just because it's so fun. Um, But this topic could go on forever. We might even break this out into some smaller segments and uh, do it again next week. So now it's time for, uh, for... (laughs) yeah, we're going to play Chicken Rapid Fire. And I'll read the question, (laughs) and uh, I'll answer first, and then we'll just do the opposite of what we did last week. Are you ready, Mike Mealers? I'm ready. Where do you get most of your news and why? Well, I get most of my news uh, from Google or uh, InnoReader, which is a news reader, and it's because it's there, it's presented to me, it's easy to get to. Mike Mueller, where do you get most of your news?
1: Uh, Feedly. I'm going to say 99% of what I get, I subscribe. Feedly is a RSS reader, and so it comes to me, which is how I want it. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Um, All right. What device do you mostly use to watch online videos and why? Uh, I primarily use my uh, Samsung Note 5 because I watch videos as I'm winding down for the evening and that's what's in my hand. Ooh. How about you? How about you, Mike? Okay.
1: Most of the time I'm sitting in front of a desktop with a large monitor and so I will watch a video on desktop, but uh, sometimes on the phone. And then sometimes on my TV, Chromecast.
0: Mm. Yeah, I do that same thing. Yeah. Uh, how do you un- handle unwanted Facebook comment and why? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, a lot of times I just ignore them and I let my community of friends take care of it. Uh, if it's really harsh, I will delete it.
1: Good. Um I typically do not get, because I don't stir the pot like you do, so I don't I do. get the unwanted Facebook comments as much as you do. But when I do, uh, typically I'll reach out to, I may delete it, but I reach out to them in private. Ah, I've
0: done the same. Uh, have you written a letter, well, this is a technical one here. Have you written a letter by hand in the last 12 months? Well. Uh No. I have not in the last 12 months, but I have within the last 24 months. I like to write to my daughter. Uh, I like to email my son, but I like to write my daughter letters. How about you, Mike Mueller?
1: That's fabulous. I actually wrote, for the first time in a long, long time, a handwritten letter. I was sending somebody some sourdough yeast, and I wrote a letter on how to care for it and get it started.
0: Ah, very good. good. Sourdough yeast, that's a big thing out west, especially up in Alaska. Uh, That's what they call the local Alaskans that have been around for a long time, sourdoughs. Did you know that?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: All right. Biggest takeaway today, Mike Mueller, you got about 15 seconds.
1: seconds. Whew. You know what? Step outside of the box of your site owner and look at it from their side. That's the most important thing that you could do. Yeah,
0: I think for me, it might even just be occasionally ask my customers what they were looking for uh, and try to provide that for future customers. I think we're up against the clock. I think it's time to say bye, Mike. Say
1: bye, Mike. Bye, Mike.
0: Thanks for listening to yet another edition of Social Media Edge Radio with your host, Ken Cook, and co-host, Mike Mueller. Stay on top of what's happening by visiting socialmediaedge.com.